I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Down the blind, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast and welcome to 2021. It's going to be a cracking year and I thought the only fair way to start this year's podcast was to look back at 2020. So the, a few weeks ago, I put up a thing on my Instagram, things that the Guru nailed and things that the Guru failed at. Now, we make a lot of statements throughout the year and when we get things right, we let you know about it. When we get things wrong, we cop it on the chin and that's all part of the game. We cop plenty of stick for it, but the true fans know how often we get these things right. So we thought we'd revisit some of the things that we nailed and some of the things that we failed during 2020. There was a lot of both. Let's be perfectly honest here. Some of our nails were fantastic. Some of our fails were just dumbfounding. Unbelievably how wrong we got it. But let's kick off with the first thing that we nailed. And this was probably our biggest thing. And this is the thing that we caught probably the most negative attention for over the last 18 months. And that was Harry Grant. Now, we said about 18 months ago, two years ago, that Harry Grant, he's already a top 10 hooker in rugby league. And I got laughed at. I had, you know, 20 or 30-odd blokes sending me lists of the top 10 hookers without Harry Grant in them telling me he hasn't played first grade. How can you say this? You haven't even seen him play. But all this dribble I got, and that was fine. And I copped it all on the chin. And I, I essentially just said to all of them, look, Message me in a year's time. Message me in two years' time. Let me know how it's going. Uh, Harry Grant, he finally gets his opportunity to play first grade. He moves to the Tigers. The Tigers, the most dysfunctional club in the NRL without a preseason with them during COVID when it is absolute chaos. There has never been a worse time to move clubs in a loan system than when Harry Grant did it. He went from the best system to the worst system at the most chaotic time imaginable under new rules, it was just an absolute clusterfuck for the bloke. And, you know, you all saw what happened. Harry Grant, he was simply amazing in 2020. Uh, I said he was one of the best hookers in the game. There's no doubt about it. He definitely is one of the best hookers in the game. Can you imagine if, you know, at any point during Cameron Smith's career, we said to you, hey, um, when Cameron Smith retires, there's going to be a kid that's played less than 20 first-grade games that's going to step in, and we're pretty confident he's going to be able to handle that job. Simply unbelievable. I mean, 
Cameron Smith is considered by many, including myself, to be the best player ever. But Harry Grant, he is good enough to be able to handle that role. It is simply unbelievable. Are you hearing anyone tell you that Harry Grant isn't going to be able to fill the boots of Cameron Smith? I mean, this is a bloke that I was told a year ago that I was an idiot for calling him a top 10 hooker in the game. Now he's good enough to step into the boots of Cameron Smith. It's funny how people change their opinions very quickly. This kid's got a massive future. Uh, You saw what he did at the Tigers. The Melbourne Storm managed to win the premiership without him, which was unbelievable. He then made his origin debut in game three and scored a try that it played a huge role in that game. And he really turned that game on its head. He was unbelievable in it. Um, He's a kid that he's probably my favorite player in the comp realistically alongside him and Victor Radley, some of my favorites, but Harry Grant, he's got a massive future and I think he's going to be the one that we're going to get right more than ever. Uh, He's going to have a huge future in rugby league and I honestly think he's going to be the second best hooker we've ever seen. I said it before he played first grade and I'm really excited for this kid. Let's move to one that we failed and this one Egg all over my face. I caught plenty for it, and I deserve to cop plenty for it. Uh, game one, New South Wales lose to Queensland. Queensland put in a really solid performance. And I said, you know what? This is the same as last year, New South Wales. They're better than what they've shown. They'll win game two in Sydney. Game three, they'll go to Suncorp, and I think they'll have the team to pull an upset. There was a couple of injuries in there for Queensland too, and egg all over my face. New South Wales, they screamed home in game two in Sydney. They did it easy. Wayne Bennett sat in the change rooms after giggling and laughing, and... Of course, we get to game three in Queensland, one of the greatest ambushes we've ever seen. So my call for Queensland to go, for New South Wales to go 2-1, completely wrong. Egg all over my face. I think I had every Queenslander and his dog messaging me that Wednesday night, and it was fair enough. I think uh, even Branko Lee gave me a bit of stick because he saw my post and then gave me some shit about it. But thoroughly deserved that. They were called the worst... The worst Queensland team in 40 years, and personally, I'd probably have to agree with it, but they got the job done, well done to them. That one, I missed by a country mile. The next one on my nailed it list was, of course, the Melbourne Storm. I told you in December 2019 that they would win the premiership in 2020. Uh, They had everything. And and also, may I add, I I had... um, Harry Grant in the plans for that premiership. I thought he would play a major role in them winning that premiership at some point. They let him go and still managed to get the job done during COVID, not being based in Melbourne. It was just an unbelievable premiership. And it was one of these ones where we sat there in the preseason of 2000, in the end of 2019, preseason of 2020, and everyone's sending me the Parramatta Eels. Oh, look at their team on paper. It's sensational. I'm looking at it going, sweet. There's no winners in that team. There's no one that can handle the big moments. The Melbourne Storm, they've got a few of those guys. Number one, Cameron Smith. Number two, Cameron Munster. This is another one that I nailed. I said all year that he's heading for something big, and if I was the New South Wales Blues, I'd be very worried about this guy because he owns big moments, and he did it in 2020. The Melbourne Storm Premiership, um, I'm not a Melbourne Storm fan, but I do love really good systems. So I do like the Roosters. I do like the Melbourne Storm because I like the way they go about their business. I like that they don't... They never go through a rebuild phase. They simply reload and they're ready to win a premiership again. And I like that in an NRL team. I like systems like the Patriots. Well, not so much now, but the Patriots for the last decade, the All Blacks, these teams that they're able to reload instead of rebuild. I really love that in in a system. And they're the two best systems in rugby league right now. And the Melbourne Storm, I think it's the premiership they deserve. I think they should have collected one or two more over the last five or six years. They've lost a number of really close grand finals against teams that... They probably wanted it a little bit more. I mean, they lost to the Sharks. They were trying to win their first premiership in 50 years. You know, the emotional drive behind that. I was there that night. There was just... 
The entire stadium was blue. Yeah, really tough gig for Melbourne. They then played the Roosters, you know, um, Cooper Cronk versus his old team. Melbourne going for that back-to-back premiership. The Roosters, they simply just wanted it more that year. So I think they have been unlucky with who they've come up against in the grand final over the last few years, and I think they really did deserve this one, and they were sensational in it. And I just thought... It was perfect. They were coming up against the Penrith Panthers who had won 17 in a row, whatever it was. They were hyped up. They were ready to go. Melbourne's sitting up there in their camp in, um, in South Queensland. No, one talk, no one's talking about them. Everyone's talking about the Penrith Panthers. It was just perfect, and you could see from the get-go that they were ready to fire. Now, the next one that I failed at, and I just mentioned them then, was, of course, the Penrith Panthers. Now, I pretty much had the Penrith Panthers missing the top eight, to be honest with you. I didn't think they would go anywhere near as good as what they were. I can't believe, and I think this is the most underrated thing about what Penrith did this year, I can't believe that a team got so much better once James Maloney left the building. That is unheard of. You've seen him everywhere he goes, they improve out of sight, then they have a little drop-off once he leaves. And Penrith, they just managed to overcome that. I think he played a big role in what they did this year, I think. For Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, the experience of having Maloney there the last few years has been sensational for them. And I just thought that the Ivan Cleary, the Nathan Cleary matchup, I'm just it just really worried me. As soon as things were to have gone bad, I think it would have there would have been a lot of fingers pointed at them because you've invested a lot in your best player and your coach and their father and son. And if something was to go wrong and they leave, it just leaves the Penrith Panthers in absolute tatters. But everything went right for them in 2020. They played some great footy. They were absolutely on fire, but it was experience that cost them in the back end, which has tend to be the reality of the Penrith Panthers over the last four or five years. It'll be really interesting to see how they go in 2021. Um, After doing so much and winning so many games and achieving nothing at the end of the day, they didn't win the premiership. It's going to be really hard for them to bounce back from that. Losing James Tamu, uh, losing Josh Mansour, it's going to be a massive hit. So they're going to be really interesting to watch this year. Another one that I nailed is, of course, Branko Lee. Now, Branko Lee is going to be joining us on the podcast in the next few days. And this is a guy that I've been talking about for years now. Even before I had the guru, I've been bullied by my mates about you know picking this guy in Supercoach every year. I followed him through the Canberra days. I followed him through the Canterbury days. I followed him through the Titans days. Fuck me. I was there at the Burley Bears days still cheering him on. And then he finally gets a chance to go to Melbourne. We all know the story. Um, you know, he ends up winning the premiership there. He ends up playing State of Origin. Uh, just an unbelievable story. And I'll talk more about it later in the week because he is coming on the podcast to tell his entire story. It's about an hour and a half long chat. So I'll cut that into two or three episodes. A sensational chat there with Branko Lee. But this is one that I absolutely nailed. This is a guy, he's been waiting for the right system to come along. And when it did come along, he didn't miss. He was simply unbelievable this year. One of the best storylines, probably my favorite storyline to come out of 2020, along with Harry Grant, to be honest with you. I love what Branko Lee's finally been able to achieve the right system. I said at the start of the year uh, that, hey, this guy, he's going to be in the camp with Melbourne Storm. I don't know if he's going to play or not, but they're one or two injuries away from him getting in. And when he does, he's going to be a super coach star. He will average 50 in your center rings, in your center wings, sorry. He ended up averaging 49.2. So uh, you can take the fail off me if you want by 0.8. I'm going to take the nail on that because center wings averaging 50 points, they're bloody hard to find. And he had a few injury-affected games that brought him down as well. So Branko Lee was definitely one that I nailed. Uh, Another big fail for me was the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, this was another team that I said, I really think they're going to struggle in 2020. I said simply they don't have the forwards to be able to stand up to these other big sides. I thought that they would handle... You know, bottom eight sides pretty well. I still wasn't confident they'd made the eight, to be honest with you. I thought they could still miss the eight. But 
Wayne Bennett being Wayne Bennett, he worked absolute wonders. And you know, you know the craziest thing is about South Sydney as well is that during the year, the rules changed. Yeah, and the rules seemingly changed to suit Damien Cook, Cody Walker. They're, they're, they're two stars. So at that point, I sort of sat back and went, oh, shit, okay, this call's probably going to go wrong because these rules suit them. And they still managed to make the eight. They still managed to go to the final four. And I don't believe they even worked out how to play with these rules until the last six weeks. So my call was completely wrong. I think it took Wayne Bennett, you know, 15-odd weeks to work out these rules. Once he did, then they clicked into gear. But even that period before, they were still winning games. They were still playing fantastic footy. Uh, Their big three, Damian Cook, Adam Reynolds, Cody Walker, and I'll throw in their fourth man, which I believe is Cam Murray. He was sensational. Latrell was in in and out, little patches. I think that having Corey Allen at fullback at the back end was the best thing that could have possibly happened to them. It's going to be interesting to watch that over the next year or so. But South Sydney, I was all wrong. And it's a hard lesson for me because I have to, you know, I've always been the biggest Wayne Bennett fan of all time, but I had to remind myself, hey, this bloke, he knows how to get the very best out of individuals, and he did it in that forward pack. I mean, some of the guys in that team, you got, you know, Junior Stratola, Harm Sella, Cartwright came in was, and was amazing. Um, they just had a host of these young guys that I sort of thought, oh, they're first graders, but they're fringe first graders. And they came in, they did fantastic things. Um, another one that I nailed, I told you that Jaden Sewer halfway through the season would play Origin. I caught plenty for this one. Um, you, you could just tell what, and, and this is when I started to realise my South Sydney wrong was cool. My, my South Sydney call was completely wrong, but you could just see what Jaden Sewell was starting to do out there. He was getting so so much confidence uh, under Wayne Bennett. And he's just playing fantastic footy. I think at the back end of the season, Wayne Bennett um, he drew a comparison to Tony Carroll. Now. If you remember TC, uh, you know, had one of the biggest chins we've ever seen. Tony Carroll was a, a hitman, yeah? He was the guy that protected Darren Lockyer for years. Uh, and he's doing that same sort of role at the moment at South Sydney. He's a kid that I really like. He's definitely one that I nailed. Uh, another one that I failed here, and, and this one's a bit controversial because this one got a little bit lost in communication. So I'm going to take you through the entire timeline because I did get a few messages about this one. I can see that a few people are still a little bit salty over it. So Brody Croft, he signs with the Brisbane Broncos uh, at the end of 2019. And I put up my Instagram page that day, uh, changed my mind. It is a bad idea to build your club around a player that the Melbourne Storm don't want. So you will remember that by the end of that season... Um, Craig Bellamy is there moving uh, Jerome Hughes into the halfback role, and he's essentially playing a fullback at halfback just so he doesn't have to use Brody Croft. Now, to me, that was the biggest red flag of all time. I straight away thought, oh, this is not a good idea. There was a lot of comparisons to Brody Croft to Cooper Cronk, which I, I just never understood. I could never get my head around why he had those sort of comparisons. And then... When they let him go, that just said to me, no, nah, this is a bad idea. They should not be signing this guy. Now, they signed him. They went through that. I had that post. I copped a bit of stick from it. Um, I obviously don't want to be outwardly bagging guys, but I, I wasn't overly convinced that Brody Croft was the man to lead this team. I wasn't convinced that Brody Croft was the man to have next to Anthony Milford to get the best out of him. Now, we go into the first two weeks of the season. Brisbane, they hadn't lost a game yet. They were 2-0. and Brodie Croft had done all right. He'd scored one try that was all over highlight reels. At the end of the day, he took a tap. 
He threw a dummy and he went through. For me, that's not what I want to see out of my halfbacks. Yeah, I don't want to see them, t- t- you know, throwing a dummy and taking a scoot on zero tackle. It compl- it, nine times out of ten, you'll get whacked there. You'll get pushed back. It'll completely fuck your set. If my halfback ever dummies to pain Haas and takes a hit himself and gets whacked, I'm going to be filthy at them. So there's a lot of things I saw at the start there I wasn't overly keen on. Then, during the, during the COVID break, there was a thing that I posted. I posted the Guru's most... The Guru's 15 most influential players for the remainder of the 2020 season. At number 11, I had Brody Croft. Now, people took this as me saying Brody Croft is going to be the man to push Brisbane. When I'm saying most influential, that doesn't always mean positive. Yeah, you can be a bad influence on a team as well. So when I was writing this about Brody Croft, and I'll read the exact thing to you. The Broncos have hit the ground running in 2020 with two wins in the first two rounds. The Broncos went after a half that could deliver them the big performances on the big stages. Croft is their man. Now, people took me as saying that he's the guy to deliver it. I was just saying that Brody Croft is the man they've gone and got. He's got the pack to win the ruck and the strike on the edges to deliver points. Croft is in a great spot. Now, Croft was in a great spot. You look at that side when they came back. They had a couple of injuries sooner rather than later, which put them in a bit of Barney rubble. But at that time, Brody Croft was in a great position to really stand up with this team. They were 2-0. And you'll you, you remember during that time how confident they were. We had drip season. We had them coming in dressed up in different kits, and there was all this hype around them and all this excitement. I'm not saying I was not saying then that Brody Croft was their answer. Far from it. Yeah, I wouldn't backflip after two games. That's ridiculous. Round one and two are completely irrelevant. But Brody Croft, he showed once we came back to it, he simply wasn't able to handle it. Now, I understand how people have got that mixed up, and I understand also that a lot of people are probably going to say, oh, you're just trying to backtrack now, and that's fine. But, you know, I was talking to my mates at the time about it. They understood where I was coming. So if you buy it, you buy it. If you don't, you don't. So be it. That's fine by me. My last nailed it. And this was an interesting one. It was the Parramatta Eels. Now, the Parramatta Eels in the preseason, everyone was tipping them to win the premiership. Everyone was talking about their team on paper, how much depth they had, how amazing it was. And, you know, I said from the very start, they just don't have a winner in that team. Yeah, they, 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 they don't have a guy that can handle the very big moments. And this was always a worry for me. And it's still a worry for me today. It's still a worry for me looking at the Parramatta Eels heading into 2021. I posted it on my page the other day. And this is a big lesson for a lot of people. that You don't win premierships on paper. That's the reality of it. I spoke about this when I talked about the Melbourne Storm. You know, you need guys like Coop, like like Cameron Smith, uh, like Cam Munster. You need these sort of fellas in your sides. And the Paramount Eels, they've got Moses, they've got Gutho, really solid footballers. But I, I don't believe that they're able to own the big moments yet. I think they will eventually. I think Mitch Moses, especially, he will be able to own the big moments eventually. But right now, at this point in his career, you know, we've just seen he's not able to do it. That's the reality of him at the moment. And... I personally think that in five years' time, maybe even six years' time, I think we forget how young Dylan Brown is, but I think he will be the man to own this mantle. I think he will be a premier halfback in this comp. I think he's going to be a sensational footballer. And I think he's one guy that the Paramount Eagles cannot let go of. They cannot let him leave this building. And I think eventually you'll see the New Zealand Warriors, they will come and chase him. I think they definitely will. He's the sort of guy that would be perfect for their club. Once Nick Arima wraps up his career, I think he'd be a prime target. Um, but this is a guy Paramount can't let leave. And like when I spoke about this the other day, everyone told me, oh, Dylan Brown will be the guy in 21. Like, look, 2021, Dylan Brown is 21 years old. Yeah, he is 21 years old. He is still trying to work out how to stay in games. He's not the guy that is going to own big moments yet. Eventually, he will be. But you cannot expect that of a guy his age when you've got your captain, Clint Gutherson, at fullback, and you've got Mitch Moses. 
Well, what's what's Moses now? 27, 28. He should be coming to the peak of his career now. This is his team to own. The pressure is on Mitch Moses here. It's not on Dylan Brown. Do not expect Dylan Brown to be the guy to, to grab this team and grab the big moments when, they're, when, when they become available. That's Mitch Moses' job. Do not ruin Dylan Brown by convincing yourself that he's not 21 years old, that he's 28 years old and he's ready to grab the game by its throat. Yeah, you need to be patient with Dylan Brown. He's going to be an absolute superstar. But Paramount Eagles fans, you need to be looking to Mitch Moses and Clint Gutherson when it comes to these big moments. And for a little glimpse there in that South Sydney game, there was a 10-minute period where Gutho absolutely exploded. But then he went off the radar. Then Mitch Moses missed the kick. Then Clint Gutherson, as their captain, had them already walking back to halfway. This is finals footy. Your, your, your team's life is on the line. You don't walk back to halfway when your halfback's taking a shot at goal, you be ready for anything. And it's a hard lesson they've had to learn, but I think they will be better for it. I still don't think they can win a comp in 2021. I'm sure there'll be a lot of hype around them again. I still don't think they're ready for it. I need to see more out of these key guys that are, that are able to show me they can win a big moment because at the moment, the Paramount Eels don't have it. I uh, really enjoyed this podcast. A lot of nails it, a lot of fails it, plenty of both. There'll be plenty more to come in 2021. Can't wait to bring it all to you. I hope everyone's not too hungover this morning after having a big one last night. Have a cracking day. I'll be back on deck over the next few days, and we'll be back into our four or five podcasts a day. Have a good one.